This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, April 20th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Democrats to select new county commissioner, Telluride looks to update affordable housing guidelines, school district goes to voters for funding increase, and a mountain weather forecast. The San Miguel County Democrats are in the process of selecting a new county commissioner. Last week, Commissioner Hillary Cooper announced she would be stepping down from her role to take a job as Director of Innovative Funding for Housing Programs, part of Colorado's Office of Economic Development and International Trade. As such, it's up to the Democrats to find her replacement. Colorado law uh, requires that when it was a partisan election, uh, Hillary ran as a Democrat, uh, that the party representing her then pick the replacement for the remainder of her term. That's Dan Enright, vice chair of the San Miguel County Democratic Party. Per state law, the Democrats have 10 days from Cooper's final day in office to select a new commissioner. Cooper will officially step down at midnight on May 8th, with a new commissioner being sworn in on May 19th, at the latest. The first step to selecting a new commissioner is getting applications from interested individuals. The vacancy committee will then go through an interview process. Enright acknowledges it's no small feat. There's just uh, less than a dozen of us who will end up uh, selecting a county commissioner. So that's a huge responsibility for us and that we're all taking that incredibly seriously. To qualify as an applicant for the position, an individual must be 18 years or older, registered in San Miguel County as a Democrat since at least April 2022, and live in District 1. So that's almost all of the town of Telluride, uh, everything east of Mahoney and uh, south of Black Bear Road on the west end of town. So just building F of Shandoka as well as uh, Entrada and Creekside and Longwell are excluded, unfortunately, but the rest of the town of Telluride is included, as well as the north side of the Spur, so Hillside, Sunnyside, and Aldosoro as well, up up there on the Deep Creek Mesa. When it comes to what the Democrats are looking for, Enright says he doesn't want to speak for the whole committee, but... I'm looking for somebody who shows a comprehensive and nuanced views of all the issues we're facing further, more complex uh, issues in the town of Telluride, most specifically regarding housing as things uh, get more complicated and the amount of available opportunities are reduced year after year. And the, there's just only so much we can do. Uh, understands the nuance and complexity of working be- with uh, other government agencies in the re- region, the town of Telluride and Mountain Village, most especially, as well as our West End partners in the county and uh, making sure they have knowledge and ability levels in that. But, you know, I also remain open to unique opportunities. If somebody really presents a strong case, that's certainly uh, within the realm of possibility as well. So I don't want to rule anything out at this time, but I also uh, recognize that this is a, a special situation that we want to uh, enter deliberately and cautiously as well. The selected individual will fulfill the remainder of Commissioner Cooper's term, which will end in January 2025. The commissioner seat will be up for election in November 2024. Those interested in serving as the San Miguel County Commissioner must send their application materials by 5 p.m. on Monday, May 8th. Applications can be sent to smcdems.co at gmail.com. Community members looking to give input on the selection can fill out a survey at smcdemocrats.org.
Changes are likely coming to Telluride's affordable housing guidelines. The last time these guidelines were amended was actually in 2018. That's Ali Slayton, assistant town attorney for the town of Telluride, speaking at a town council meeting this week. Ideally, Slayton says, the guidelines are updated every two years, but with shifts in staffing and the COVID-19 pandemic, it's been roughly five years since the guidelines got a good look through. Because of those delays and because of the changing housing conditions where the spread is now larger than ever between deed-restricted units and free market units here in Telluride, this process that we went through over the last year has been a little more in-depth than I think other review processes have been. There are a few more major changes that we're proposing here following this process because it has been five years since the last guidelines uh, change and a lot has changed in the community and in the housing environment since then. According to Slayton, the proposed changes to the guidelines circle around four main principles of the affordable housing program to provide affordable employee housing, to promote economic diversity within the Telluride community, to ensure ongoing affordability of housing units, and to provide clear, fair, and consistent administration of housing programs. The guidelines apply to Town of Telluride deed-restricted properties. Those are housing mitigation units, town-constructed units like Silverjack or Longwell, and employee dwelling units. The guidelines do not apply to town rental units. Those are Shandoka, Sunnyside, Virginia Placer, and the Boarding House. When looking at the changes to the guidelines, Slayton breaks them down into a number of categories. Changes that will impact all affordable housing units, changes for current owners, changes for future owners, and changes for renters. When it comes to changes for all affordable housing units, under the new guidelines to qualify for the housing, an individual's employment must require them to be in Telluride. This change is really purposed upon making sure that those who live in and own these units, that their employment really is based here in Telluride and that they need to be here for their jobs. Um, it's not just an optional employment in Telluride that could work elsewhere. It's their job is needed here because those are the people we need to house now more than ever. The guidelines also stipulate that if, say, two people live in a home and one of them works locally and the other works remote, 75 percent of the household's income must be earned locally. Currently, owners may not own additional residential property in San Miguel County. The new guidelines expand that to Montrose, Ure, and Dolores counties as well. It also changes allowances on assets to exclude things like retirement and education accounts without counting towards net assets. Finally, the most contentious of the proposed changes. Under the new guidelines, a household must continuously be equivalent to the number of bedrooms in a home. Right now, there is an initial household size standard in the guidelines. So if you are a if you want to purchase a three-bedroom unit and it's been offered to you and it's available, you can do so, but you have to have three people living there initially. That could mean you have three people in your family, or it could mean that you're an individual with two roommates. Um, either situation would be fine. However, there's limitations on our ability to enforce that moving forward. So if two or three years from then you are one person living in a three-bedroom unit because you didn't like your roommates and you didn't want to sign new roommates, um, we would not necessarily be able to enforce that unless the condition was placed on your deed restriction, and that's not always the case. Um, so with this new continuing household size standard, uh, THA will be able to enforce against households who have less people living in the unit than there are bedrooms. 
Some members of the community have shared concern that if this change goes into effect, they'll be kicked out of the home they've owned for maybe decades. Council member Adrian Christie says that's not the goal. I think based on the feedback that I've heard, I would be more in favor of us changing that rule to be a moving forward, even though I think that the rules that we have presented with the exceptions do um, have an appropriate amount of wiggle room for people. It still is causing some general turmoil with those who already own their homes. And I think the point of this update is not to scare people. It's to make this a workable program for the people in our community. And it's, you know, it's for us, by us, in that type of sense. And so that's my, I would say, main thing that I would advocate that we change. Council decided to add language saying the continuous household size standard will apply to all purchases of homes going forward and not apply to individuals who already own their homes. When it comes to changes to current owners, the changes expand what's allowed in capital improvements to a home and stipulates that resale of mitigation units must happen by lottery. Town-constructed units already go into a lottery. For future owners, the proposed changes better define the calculation of income, require businesses or nonprofits looking to buy a unit to apply for an exception, and revises the lottery point system. It has been revised to benefit people who have been here for longer than 10 years. Um, there is now uh, there are more points that can be granted to those people. We revised the point system, but we've also increased the maximum number of entries from three up to five. Um, so there's a lot of uh, changes that happen there in the lottery point system that I think, especially those who have been in the community longer and, and really are looking for housing, um, will be happy about. Finally, changes for renters. The new guidelines up the required number of hours and employee works per year to qualify and increases the maximum allowed rental rates on units. It also removes the annual income eligibility requirement. An owner's income can increase into perpetuity um, after they are qualified to own. So right now, income is only looked at for owners when they first apply. That was detrimental to renters because renters have to re-qualify every year. So while an owner's income could increase year over year, a renter's income might not be able to. And eventually, they might not qualify for their unit anymore um, because their income increased and it could be a unit they were living in for years. Um, so what we have done is we have made the income eligibility tier limit um, only applicable at the time when you first rent the unit. Thereafter, it is not applicable unless there is a change to the household. To protect renters, the new guidelines also stipulate a lease cannot be conditioned on employment to a certain employer and a landlord must provide a minimum of 30-day notice on non-renewal of a lease. The guidelines are a lot. They are long and dense. But Slayton says it's all with the hope of housing as many local individuals and families as possible. The town of Telluride hopes to approve the updated guidelines on May 9th. The Telluride Housing Authority will host a community meeting to get additional feedback on the proposed changes at its meeting on Monday, May 24th at 5.30 p.m. at Rebecca Hall. The Telluride Arwen School District is considering going to voters this November on a bond measure to address the district's needs when it comes to workforce housing and capital facility improvements. We've identified projects that really will um, keep our buildings in, you know, 
in solid shape and not get them to the point where we have to start talking about new buildings. Um, even our building that's 130 plus years old um, that, you know, we all have a lot of pride in. So, you know, that's a lot of what we're really looking to do. That's Telluride School District Superintendent John Pandolfo speaking at a Telluride Town Council meeting this week. As a district, they don't need approval from town council to put a bond measure before voters. The presentation was an opportunity to update council members and the community on the plan. The proposed bond measure would equal $36.8 million, equaling out to roughly $140 per year per $1 million value home. Pandolfo says the funding would go towards infrastructure upgrades, historic preservation of the elementary school, energy efficiency and sustainability projects, updates to the science labs, storage and maintenance of buses and other site improvements. Of course, a large portion, Pandolfo says more than half of the bond will go towards housing. Currently, you know, we have housing for, I'm going to say roughly 10% of our workforce. We've got about 15 units and we we historically have a lot of teachers to stay in, recruited them in, had them get settled for their first couple of years and hope that they then have enough of a network in the community where they can find something. And as we all know, that has gotten harder and harder just in the last three years since I've been here. Absolutely. Pandolfo says a long term goal would be to house at least one third of the district's employees in district housing. Not only to be able to recruit because we have had our housing all filled and had um, folks who we've offered positions to say, sorry, I can't come because you're not, you can't give me housing. And I, I, everything I see leads me to believe I'm not going to be able to afford to live there. So, um, you know, we really want to be able to increase the amount of time that we allow employees to be there. And when I've spoken to many of our veteran employees and said, if I actually had rental housing for you, that was district housing, would you take that rather than where you're currently living? And I haven't heard anyone say, no, I wouldn't be interested in exploring that. The Telluride School District plans to host three community meetings to get more feedback on the proposed bond measure. Meetings will take place on Thursday, April 27th at 5.30 p.m. and Saturday, May 6th at 9 a.m. at the elementary school and on Monday, May 8th at 6 p.m. at the Wilkinson Public Library. If the bond measure does go before voters, it would be on the November 2023 ballot. The town of Mountain Village broke ground on the Village Court apartment expansion on Wednesday. The VCA expansion will include two new buildings with 35 rental units and 88 new beds. The units will be a mix of one- and two-bedroom apartments and four-bedroom suite-style units. Mountain Village anticipates move-in for the new units to take place in spring 2024. Over 100 students from Aspen High School gathered at the school parking lot on Monday morning to protest gun violence. This comes after several students and teachers died in school shootings this year in Iowa, Texas, and Tennessee. But the students weren't just worried about gun violence at school. Peter DeWetter is co-president at the high school and gave a speech on Monday morning. There has been more than 160 mass shootings so far in 2023, according to the Gun Violence Archive, marking more mass shootings than there have been days in this year. It is time for us to come together and take action to put an end to this senseless violence. Students in the Aspen and Roaring Fork school districts went into lockdown this spring after false shooting threats were called into the Pitkin and Garfield County dispatch centers. 
The wetter was in the Aspen Middle School building at the time and remembered seeing the younger students. It's a really hard thing to process, just students literally being fearful while in a school where they're supposed to be safe and feel safe and ready to learn. That was probably, you know, one of the harder things that I've seen just because it's reality all over the place. And it's just something that I think that can be changed. Just it takes everybody to make that change. He added the students are beginning to heal from the lockdown scares and urges his fellow students to support gun reform legislation when they're eligible to vote. A bill that makes it easier for schools to hire mental health professionals is headed to Governor Jared Polis's desk. Right now, mental health professionals have to be licensed by the Department of Education in order to work in a school. Under the new bill, schools and school districts would be able to hire them as long as they have a license. Mental health staff would have to work with licensed providers who coordinate mental health support for students. They would also have to undergo a thorough background check before working in a school. A bill that would implement sweeping land use reforms cleared its first committee hearing in the state legislature on Wednesday. KOTO's Lucas Brady-Woods reports lawmakers had to make some big changes to the bill to get it through. Sponsors introduced 17 amendments to address opponents' concerns. There's major opposition coming from Colorado cities and towns. Bill sponsor, Senate Majority Leader Dominic Moreno, says more changes are still on the way. There will be further refinement, further fine-tuning, um, further exploration of concepts in order to address the very valid concerns that have been raised. One big change in the bill is loosening zoning requirements for the state's biggest cities. They'd have to allow a certain percentage of multifamily housing in some neighborhoods instead of six-unit housing in all neighborhoods. The requirements for resort communities were also pared down. With the change, they're able to choose from a list of housing strategies. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods at the State Capitol. The public library in Montrose is pushing back against efforts to ban certain books. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KVNF's Cassie Knust has more. The Montrose Regional Library board members are standing by their previous statements against book banning, giving their stance at a special meeting last Wednesday and in wake of lengthy public discussion. A Montrose Daily Press report notes that while talk of the book bans is nationwide, the one here in town was sparked over two books, both of which portray LGBTQ content and were referred to by some as obscene. The two books in question, Flamer by Mike Curado and Genderqueer, a memoir by Maya Kobabi, are graphic novels discussing coming of age, sexuality, and or gender identity. Paul Palladino, director of the library, said they uphold the democratic right of all citizens to freely express their thoughts and ideas, both popular and unpopular, while sharing the library's principles. He went on to add that the library supports the right of each individual to privately read, listen, and view the full range of published thought and ideas without restricting the freedoms of others. I'm Cassie Knust. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a 30% chance of snow showers tonight, with mostly cloudy skies and a low around 10 degrees. Winds could gust as high as 30 miles per hour. Friday, expect increasing clouds during the day with a 20% chance of snow showers at night. The high is in the mid-30s with a low around 25 degrees. Saturday should be mostly cloudy with a high around 40. Saturday night calls for partly cloudy skies with a low around 25. This has been the news for Thursday, April 20th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.